and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Today, as I promised, the prediction episode. Now that week four is over with the NFL preseason, that means the regular season is right around the corner. Starting up with the Packers and the Bears Thursday night on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Technically Thursday night, but doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, this is it. We're finally get to see what these teams have worked for over the offseason. In this case, I decided to go and get every record for every team by evaluating every single game and the implications of everything. It took a lot of factors. And I do want to thank these two sites which I used. This is not a sponsorship. It's not an ad. I just want to mention lineups.com. And Our Lads. Our Lads is a group that's been around for almost 40 years now doing analysis on recruits coming out of college and on NFL players. They list all the depth charts and the things scouts said about all of them. Even the older players who have been there, who got drafted back in like 2003, 02, All those players, their scouting reports are on this site. I use them to understand where these games are going. And I used lineups.com in order to see ratings and the way depth depth charts stand and how it's like um it's good for using when you're betting especially when it comes to odds last 5 games all these different circumstances but I wasn't looking at the betting portion I'm talking about the score itself and the records of these teams so using both of those and incorporating the factors of playoff implications and the pressure and coming off bye weeks all of that I was able to create the all the records for these teams and playoff situations. And in addition to giving you guys the final landing spots for these teams, I'm going to give you the picks for the most viable player, for the Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and the Comeback Player of the Year. Now, all these are... Purely theoretical. These are based off a model I made with my adjustments made to it. And they may not all be correct. So I'm not going to tell you guys the records of these teams. I'm just going to tell you where they're going to finish. If you want to check out the records, you're going to have to check out my Twitter and my Instagram. Plus, if I were to tell you, you may lose your mind. So if you want to lose your mind, I'd rather you do it on social media. Go right to social media. I'll reply to you. I'll give you the reasons why. And I'll explain it. Detail for detail, point for point. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. Starting off with the AFC East. Now, for those football fans who don't really know much about the divisions themselves, get a little confused, I'll break it down each division who's in it. So in the AFC East, you have the Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. Those four teams make up the AFC East. For the last 12 or so years, maybe more, the Patriots have been dominant on holding on to that division title. They've not lost it. 
So could this be the year that there's an upset and somebody else takes that spot? I'll tell you now. The answer is no. So it's pretty obvious why you guys think it's the Patriots, and I have to get behind it. I mean, New England is balanced all around on their defense and their offense, and I really like what they're doing when now that they have Gordon back. I was a little shaky on how things were going to turn out when they didn't have Josh Gordon, and they would have had to rely on um, other players like uh, Demarius Thomas, who they just signed back, or Philip Dorsett and on top of Julian Edelman. But having him back definitely fills up a gap that they needed to fill. So now you got Edelman, Josh Gordon, and either Philip Dorsett or Demarius Thomas playing. It's a perfect set for the Patriots, and I got nothing but great things to say. And their defense is impeccable. I can't tell you how happy I am to see the Patriots finally as a complete team. It's it's hard to find that because the, the defense is a little underwhelming. But this time around, the defense works. And I'm okay with it. Now, as we know, the Patriots finish in first place and win the division. Now I'm going to go backwards. Fourth place, last place in the division. If you don't know already, kind of, I'll be surprised. The Miami Dolphins are going to finish in last place in the AFC East this year. I mean, after the trade I saw when they traded Kenny Stills and Larry Mutunsil away to Houston, there was no way I could say that the Miami even had a shot at playoffs here, or even a winning record. I know for a fact that Miami is done. How bad could it be? I was debating actually giving the Miami Dolphins an 0-16 record. I was debating it. Because Miami is so deep in trouble and turmoil that I would not be surprised if they go 0-16. Now, it's just the only... It's a mess. It's a mess. It is a mess in Miami. I mean, it would be nice to see Miami make a Super Bowl again, something they haven't done in since Marino was still in the league. But, you know, the only bright spot they have is that rookie receiver we saw in the preseason, Preston Williams. He's really good. He's really talented. I hope they use him. Because now you think about that receiving court, it's Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, and this kid Preston Williams. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's your quarterback in your offensive line has a bunch of gaping holes that are just a problem. It's not going to help you. The Miami's offense is struggling. The only bright spot really is that kid and Kenyon Drake working with Kalen Balazs. It's, it's, it's just, there's no way. There's no way. Third place. Now this one was tough. But I'm going to give third place to the Bills. The Bills will finish first, third in the AFC East simply because of the fact that they don't have enough offensive firepower to make a serious run for the playoffs. They don't have it. I mean, Cole Beasley and John Brown were great additions. Don't get me wrong. And I'm very happy that they made those moves because now they have somebody that can catch the ball from Josh Allen. But on a more serious note here, you let LaShawn McCoy get away. I mean, even though I understand because he's aging, he's taking time, I mean, think about it in this sense. The defense was rated higher than the offense. Overall, that defense is better than that offense. Now, I know the defense is great and all, but come on. Don't sell yourself so short. 
The Buffalo Bills have a strong defensive line and good corners, especially Tredavious White. He's very underrated. Watch him. The Bills could potentially get that second spot in the AFC East. But I don't I don't see it happening. It's going to be close, but I don't think they'll get it. Which leaves a second place spot to the New York Jets. In fact, I think the Jets have a chance to make a wild card spot this year. It's I mean, I want to say that it can still happen, but it it may not happen because that linebacker core is hurt. It's bad. The main bright spots really CJ Mosley, who they got from the Ravens. There's really nobody else. I can't think of anything. You lost Avery Williamson. That was the biggest loss you had. You did that was the one person you could not afford to lose, and you lost him. To an ACL. It's unfortunate. But things happen. Things happen. So besides that, the Jets offense looks very nice. I've talked about the Jets offense for a long time. Since since they landed Le'Veon Bell, I was I was saying that this offense is gonna be nice. It's gonna be really good. And it is. They added Jamison Crowder to complete the receiving core with Quincy Anamwa and Robbie Anderson. Two great wideouts. Chris Herndon got suspended the first few games. So that's gonna be something to watch out for. Because now they have to use um Griffin to be the starting tight end. It's not going to be something you want to watch. And uh, as for everything else, the Jets' offense is, is going to be fine. It's mainly the defense we got to worry about, and that's why I have them in second in the East, mainly. And over the Bills is that offense. Moving on now to the AFC North. I'm gonna, Again, I'm going to work backwards up to the top. Last place, we all know it already. It's the Bengals. The Bengals are going to be in last place. I mean, to me, I just think they're going to be MIA this season. Without that powerful line on offense, I mean, losing Jonah Williams was a serious loss. You could not afford that, and you lost him. The rookie from Alabama, no. You don't. You can't just not have him. He's phenomenal. They also just don't have a quick ball hawk secondary. Drake Kirkpatrick ain't a ball hawk. He's not a guy who's going to chase him down. Jesse Bates, no. Jesse Bates is actually the closest you'll probably get to a Bullhawk secondary. Besides that, what else is there to do? Honestly, this Bengals team is something that maybe even a college team could beat. It's it's bad. And not having A.J. Green just makes it worse. So, in to close out that statement, it's pray for Cincinnati. Third place, I'm going to say this is the toughest part because the top three teams here are all, it could be anybody getting the win here or finishing in first, second, or third. But to me, what makes the most sense is this. The Steelers get third. Now, I know a lot of the uh, Steel City fans are coming at me already. They're telling me there's no way. They're too strong. They got Juju. They got James Washington, Dante Moncrief. Their defense is coming back. Yeah, but here's your problem. Steelers just need a strong performance from an aging defense to become contenders. So you're right there. But because of what you're dealing with in the defense getting older and not younger, some guys aren't going to have that same performance because they've already reached their peak and they're already on the downfall. So somebody like Joe Hayden, who just got his contract extension, 
could possibly have a downfall season. And then what did you just pay him for? You paid him an extension just to have a downfall season not prove his worth to you. And that's something you can't that you have to live with. You gave him two extra years just to do that. See, the Steelers are complicated in their own way because the offense was never bad. The defense was never bad, but they just got older quick on the defense. And the offense was getting old too. But they added some young guys to try to change up the dynamic. Worked, but once again, the age is becoming an issue. And I think it's going to come back to get the Steelers this time. Second place. This is a hard one because the Browns and the Ravens are so close. But I'm going to give it to the Ravens. Because they have one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. I mean, think about it. Your linebacker core features Pernell McPhee being like a rush, being the rush linebacker. You've got, in the secondary, you've got Tony Jefferson and Earl Thomas together working with Jimmy Smith at the corner. I mean, this is scary. They're scary good. Like, they have the potential to possibly be the reincarnation of the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl against the Giants. The one year where Trent Dilfer had to fill in as the backup quarterback and took them to the Super Bowl and won a ring. It could potentially get there with this defense. This defense is very good. Because just like that year... The defense was one of the best in NFL history. And the offense was never that great. But the thing was, the defense did enough and the offense did just enough to get what they needed. So honestly, the Ravens could have that potential this year. But not as a division winner. Division winners, the Browns. I mean, at this point, we all know there's too much talent on the Browns to deny them even getting the divisional title. There's no way they they lose this division. The only way I can think of is that the Ravens and Steelers win both both or at least one game against the Browns this season. That's the only thing I can think of. That means the Bengals have to win too, which we all know will never happen. The I mean the offensive talent led with OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and the underrated Richard Higgins. With a strong offensive line, a quarterback ready to take over the league in Baker Mayfield, a running game headlined by Nick Chubb and troubled running back who's still very good, Kareem Hunt, a defense led by Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward in both the secondary and the defensive line. There's nothing, there's nothing else to say here. This Browns team is making the playoffs. They're going to the playoffs this year. I can't say that enough. So anyone who still believes that the Browns won't make it, I'm not going to hold it against you, but you may have to rethink that. You may have to rethink that statement. Moving on to the AFC South. We're now dealing with the Texans, the Titans, the Colts, and the Jaguars. Working backwards, the team finishing in last place. Now, automatically, you guys are going to think it's Jacoby Brissett, 
leading the Colts. But I don't agree. And you're going to find out why. I have the Jaguars finishing last place in the South. Now, I think all of you right now are thinking to yourselves, how is that possible? Aren't the Titans that bad? Here's how I explain it. In my opinion, the AFC South is the most competitive division in the NFL this season. Now, don't get me wrong. The Jaguars are a great team defensively. But offensively, they are still lackluster. Why? Sure, you grab Nick Foles. But when Nick Foles has done extremely well, it has been in situations where he filled in to the starter role. You look into that history, and he's a machine. He's amazing. You put him in a starting role, and everything falls apart. You can look at his history. You put him into a starting position, and he falls apart. Who's to say it won't happen again with the Jaguars? Plus, you've got an injury-prone offense that isn't going to help you. Marquise Lee. I mean, my goodness. Marquise Lee is such a good receiver, but when he gets hurt, it hurts the team. That is one player the Jaguars never want to lose in a season, for a season. And yet it's happened twice already. If something happens and he doesn't produce this season, the Jaguars are going to let him walk. And I'll 100% be behind, be behind them. Because if they keep him for this long and he doesn't produce this season when healthy, this is going to be like Victor Cruz all over again with the Giants. It's going to be same way again. You're paying a guy to be on the team that isn't doing enough to help the team because he can't stay healthy. And then when he is healthy, he's not the same. And then the Jaguars defense. You've got patches in the linebacker court. It's not going to help. Great, your defensive lines are not amazing. Cool, your secondary is successful. What about the linebackers? Besides Miles Jack, there is no linebacker I could name that's going to help the Jaguars. Not a single one. So that's why the Jaguars are in last. Third place, I'm giving to the Indianapolis Colts. So they won't finish last. I think they might actually compete a little bit. I think they will. The um, Jacoby Brissett should not be underestimated because even though you lost luck, I mean, a youth movement is emerging in Indianapolis. They're getting younger and they're getting better. And they're also very healthy. T.Y. Hilton... Devin Funches and that new guy, Paris Campbell, is going to be one of the most lethal wide receiving duos, trios, I should say, in the NFL. Again, if Paris Campbell lives up to that expectation. The Colts have arguably the best offensive line in the NFL, allowing the least amount of sacks in the NFL last season against Andrew Luck. Now, their defense has gotten a lot better too. I like it very much. I think it's success- I think it's going to be something that they're going to build on. Especially around Darius Leonard. But I think having Brissette there, you can't know how much success he's going to have. Now people are automatically going, oh, they're going to go like 5-11, 6-10, whatever. Or they're going to have a losing record for sure. There's no way to be sure about it because you haven't seen Brissette play since when he started two years ago. Things change in two years. Two years ago, 
the Colts did not have the strength of the offensive line that they have now. Two years ago, they didn't have the receivers they do now. Two years ago, they didn't have the defense that shut down run games and blocked passes. They didn't have that. Now they do. So now there's a difference. If Brissett is put in that situation, will he produce? And I think he can. He can produce. But because of the other teams in the division, there is no way... Well, there is a way. There's only a few ways that Jacoby Brissett could bring these guys to the playoffs. But again, it's all on Brissett here. He has got to go off the situation he's in. Moving on to second place now. We now know it's between the Titans and the Texans here. It's a brawl, it's a brawl, it's a brawl. It's a tough division all throughout the season. But the Texans pull away at the last minute. And the Titans end up in second. Now, why are the Titans rated so high? Here is why. They have a secondary and defensive line that I see is unrivaled by any other team in their division. I mean, this defense is only something of imagination in the AFC South. This is like the Jaguars defense when they went to the suit when they went it all the way to the AFC Championship game 2 seasons ago when Blake Bortles was still the quarterback. I mean, I put it this way. Kevin Byard, Malcolm Butler in the secondary? My goodness, I think I just died and went to heaven. You still got Jarrell Casey on the line. I mean, and you've got Harold Landry. That helps. It's it's amazing. I've looked over this def- death chart so many times. I tried to see what is it that the people don't see in the Titans. Their offense looks great. Even though people question their offensive line. I like it. I'm okay with it. The only problem is when you don't have Taylor Luan, there's a problem. So they're going to struggle in the beginning, but they're going to catch back up and try to make a run for the division. The one problem is the quarterback. That's the only conclusion I could come to. Marcus Mariota needs to be consistent to give the Titans a chance. And I think he can be consistent enough. But I don't know if it'll be enough to keep his job in Tennessee. Because Ryan Tannehill is right on his tail. And I think he would do better leading this team than Mariota. But again, I'm not the coach. I don't I don't have any control of this team. But you know what? Go right ahead. Apparently Mariota's on a very, very short leash. So if he makes massive mistakes early, they're going to pull him. And they're going to put Tannehill in. Just a warning for all the Titans fans. That's, the, that's what I've been told. Mariota's on a very short leash. So if he makes mistakes early, they're going to put Tannehill in. Which now brings me to my number one. The winner of the AFC South is going to be the Texans. They have everything they need to win the division offensively. They got Laramie Tunsil to add to solidify that offensive line and make it so that the Texans cannot be defeated. They can't get to Watson. In addition to Hopkins and Fuller, they now have Kenny Stills, the number one receiver that was on the Dolphins. 
They now have him. If Fuller was to get hurt, boom, there's your guy. Right there. He's going to pick up where Fuller left off, and he's going to help this team. They have everything. But what about that defense? But what about that defense? The defense is questionable in many ways because they did just lose Jadavion Clowney. So how is that going to affect the team? I think the secondary is fine right now. I think they'll be okay. But talking about the linebacker core, the only positive spot I see is Whitney Merciless. That's it. So that's a, that's a very questionable spot for me because the Texans are such a strong team on offense, but their defense is not the same. So when they're playing teams like the Titans, you don't have that great of an offense, but their defense is lethal. It's mainly a mismatch, and someone's going to have to put... The weaker team is going to fall down than the stronger one. So when you've got a weak Titans offense going up against a weak Texans defense, who's really going to win? It's a crapshoot. Same way the other way around. Two strong teams. They're going to butt heads all day. Who's going to win? We don't know. It's it's a crapshoot. So, basically, I think the Texans have a shot. I think they're going to win this division. They're not going to have a high seeding because of how competitive it is, but they're going to win the division. And that will conclude the AFC South. Moving now on to the AFC West. In this division, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, the Denver Broncos, the Oakland Raiders, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, this is an interesting one, too, because I see the Chiefs as a strong team, I see the Chargers as a strong team, I see the Broncos as a questionable team, and the Raiders as a WTF team. So, I'll put it like this. The Broncos are finishing in last. So, they have a new sheriff in town by the name of Joe Flacco. The new guy in town. They got rid of the old guy, Case Keenum. They got rid of everybody on that roster at QB. They brought in new ones. Joe Flacco, Drew Locke. They're ready to go. They got those two. Now, people were saying, can this veteran be the answer to Denver's prayers? My answer is no. Now, that's funny because they have a, one of the a good offensive line led by Gotsis. By, uh, and the receiving core is okay with Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. But, and that defense is great too. Don't get me wrong. The, that defense in Denver has always been good ever since Von Miller arrived. It's now just against these other players can... Good old Joe Flacco help you. And I don't think it's a, I don't think he can. There's a lot of games I don't think they'll win because it's going to take a stronger arm, a more accurate arm, and I don't think Flacco has that. And when you lack that, that becomes an issue. So I think that's going to kill the Broncos vibes and they're going to finish in last. But moving on to the third place team, I'm going with the Raiders. I mean, I'm going to tell you though, the Raiders are not going to do bad this season. They're going to be really hard to beat because they've reinvented that offense by signing important players, especially Antonio Brown. Now, as much drama as you guys see he creates, he is one hell of a player. And I am so I am so grateful that I get to see him play because he is something else. 
He's not that tall. He's about my height, about five, about under six foot. He's not. He's not that tall, but his speed and his athleticism are what puts him above others. By adding him and adding other pieces, including um, Tyrell Williams, they've now created a pass-heavy offense involving now a young rookie running back from Alabama by the name of Josh Jacobs. Is it going to be enough to defy the odds against them? Maybe. It's a possibility. But the Raiders are going to make are going to try. They're going to try their best. I don't think it'll be enough. I think they're going to fall down towards the end. And it's going to cost them. But the Raiders, don't count them out. They're a good team this year. Second place I'm going to have to give to the LA Chargers here. It's a toss-up between them and the Chiefs. They're both great teams, but I'm going with the Chargers. Simply because of the one fact. They don't have Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon doesn't want to be there. Even without him, though, they remain one of the most dangerous teams in the AFC. I mean, they still have Eckler, but Eckler's not on the same level as Gordon. So, can they reproduce their 2018 campaign, or is it going to come short? I think it's going to come short. It was a tough call, but because of how difficult other divisions are and how some teams in other divisions are like have a high records, I don't think it's possible the Chargers make the playoffs. I don't think it'll happen. It'll be close, but I don't think it's going to happen. This is going to be a tough year for them. Especially without Derwin James. That hurts too. It hurts because it leaves a hole in the secondary. You don't want that. And you got it. Now, going into first place in AFC West, you guessed it, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, this is tough for me because even though they have the MVP at the helm of that electric offense, that defense was atrocious last year, and we have to hope that they make a step up this season. Can they recover from their woes in 2018 to seal the deal for Andy Reid and company? Andy Reid has never won a Super Bowl. He's been, he's been to a Super Bowl, but he has never won. He's been to Super Bowl back in 04 when he was coaching the Eagles and Donovan McNabb was still in the league. They lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. That was full of legendary teammates that included um, Brian Westbrook. It included um, Malcolm Jenkins' Weapon X, Donovan McNabb. I mean, it was it was amazing. And Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens played injured and still put up over 100 yards receiving. It was incredible performance. Eagles fought their hearts out and still lost to the Patriots. And Andy Reid was heartbroken. He wasn't the same since. Making it back to Super Bowl and winning would be something that he would want. That's something he's always dreamed of. Could this be the year with the MVP at the helm? Yeah. But that defense has to step up. And I know they added Tyron Matthews that adds some help in the secondary. But is it enough? Did they do enough to create a Super Bowl winning team? I think they did. But I can't tell you if they're going to make the Super Bowl or not. It's just too tough to call. It's too tough to call right now. So if you guys need seedings for playoffs and everything for the AFC, I'll give it to you now. So based off everything I have told you, the fourth seed, the first seed in the AFC in my projections are the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are just so talented on both sides, I can't find a reason to not put them at number one. I couldn't find one. And after I worked out all the records, that's who came up at the top. And it shocked me because I was like, there's no way. So I went back analyzing all the games. But they all made sense. All their losses made sense and all their wins made sense. So there was no way I could say the Browns can't be the first seed. 
The second seed in the playoffs are the Kansas City Chiefs, which means I've made a bold prediction that the New England Patriots are going to are not going to have a first round bye in the playoffs. The Chiefs are going to have it. I think they'll do enough on offense. The defense will do what their job, and they'll win, and they'll win enough games to get that number two seed. Because think about the weapons they got: Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Damian Williams, and now Lashawn McCoy, on top of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Don't forget Travis Kelsey. That entire team is something nobody wants to go against. The only thing you can probably stop them is the Bears, the Bears defense, the monsters of the midway. That's it. So yeah, third seed's the Patriots. Unfortunately, they fell to that point, and the Texans get the fourth seed with their record being a little low. Now, as for the wild cards, this was tough because I didn't want to have to admit it, but the fifth seed with the number one wild card spot is the Baltimore Ravens. Their defense is just too good. There's no way you can stop them. There was no way they weren't going to miss the playoffs. I mean, there was no way they weren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, if they, if they were to miss, it would be a shock. They're very good this year. They're going to be. And then the sixth seed, which is the second wildcard spot, barely making it by. In the biggest shock of the day is the Tennessee Titans. They're going to barely make it in over the LA Chargers and take that spot in the sixth seed. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. I think they're going to get in a groove at the right time. The Titans are going to make that final push, and they're going to knock the Chargers down, and they'll be popping in. I think it's perfect. It's a perfect way to go. Now, with that said, I will expand on everything else involving the actual playoff summary later on. Now, moving on to the NFC. Continuing now. We are starting off with the NFC East. Beginning off with, that would be the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Eagles. That is the NFC East, for those football fans who do not know. So, this was a tough one to rank, given how tough and competitive the Cowboys and Eagles were. So, it was hard to figure out the records exactly, but I think I got it figured out. So, I'll start from the bottom to the top. Last place is going to be the Redskins. As much as I want to say that Gaich is finally healthy and he's going to help the Redskins, Adrian Peterson's there, he's going to help. They got the right quarterback starting in Case Keenum. I can't get behind that because we're dealing with how troublesome the Redskins are without a strong receiving core that is led by Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson. I mean, it's something I can't do. I can't automatically tell you, oh, wow, so the Redskins, right? They're going to make the playoffs for sure. I can't say it. I looked over everything. Their defense is okay. It's good enough that they could possibly make the playoffs. But the offense is the issue. You have Trent Williams holding out, your best offensive lineman. Well, outside of Morgan Moses, but still. Oh, and Scherf. But still, the Redskins are finishing last. Just saying it now. The Giants are getting third. 
So a lot of people say the Giants are going to suck this year. I don't think they're going to be as bad, bad enough to get like a top 10 pick. But they're not going to be good. Unless they start Daniel Jones, they're not going to be good. And even if they do, and I hope they do it when Golden Tate gets back. Because after that, you got Golden Tate, Cody Latimer, and Sterling Shepard. Not bad receiving core, by the way. Now, offensive line's a lot better. Just saying, just having Jalapio at the uh, center is the issue. Besides that, your offensive line's great. And your defense, a little underwhelming. But not to the point where it's like, oh, they're the worst defense in the NFL. They're not. So, the Giants are a decent team. And with the right leadership, they could definitely be back in the playoffs in no time. I'm not even sugarcoating it. I'm telling you. They could be back in the playoffs in no time. Which now comes up to second place. The tough part I have to talk about. It's going to be the Eagles. The Eagles are in second. It's it, it was it's painful for me to say because I really like Philly this year. But I just don't, I don't see them topping the Cowboys. It'll be extremely close. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be like a one-game, two-game separation. But the Eagles are not winning the division. They still can. Okay, I could be wrong about the Cowboys. But the Eagles are going in second, in my opinion. I mean, they continue to show off their defensive power all the time. I still think they're a top-five defense in the league. They are not to be messed around with. But it all comes down to one thing, and that's if Wentz can live up to that hype that he was surrounded with when he was drafted a few years back, now coming off another injury, to bring Philly to the promised land once again. This time without having a back, uh, backup quarterback to win it all for the Eagles or even lead them to the playoffs. This time without that. I think he could lead them to the play. I think he's going to lead them to the playoffs and that they're going to go far. Possibly. But right now, with the Cowboys the way they are now that they have Zeke back, I can't see it. And that now leads me to the number one team in the NFC East, which is the Cowboys. I mean, they have Zeke back, and now they're destined for a deep run in the playoffs. Now, automatically, I don't want you guys to think that I'm assuming this because Zeke is back, and I'm just going off, and I'm just a a lover of the Cowboys, because I'm not. I can tell you firsthand, I don't love the Cowboys. I don't like the Cowboys that much. It's more of the fact of what they have. Dak Prescott, an underrated quarterback at the helm. You've got... Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best running backs in the league. You've got Amari Cooper, one of the most underappreciated receivers in the league. You've got one of the best offensive lines in football. You've got one of the best receiving, one of the most underrated receiving cores in football. And you've got a defense that no one talks about. About being great. Nobody talks about it. And when those pieces come together and you're trying to defy the odds, the Cowboys can pull it off. Do I see a Super Bowl run possible? Yes. I actually see Super Bowl run possible for the Cowboys. I'm not going to go as far as what Skip Bayless was saying, be like, Super Bowl for sure this year. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. His his fan mentality took over. Just because you land one player doesn't mean you're going to the Super Bowl right away. That is one thing everyone needs to understand. One player does not make a whole team. 
For example, Patrick Mahomes doesn't make up the entire Kansas City lineup. Just like um, Tom Brady doesn't make up all the Patriots. Just like Khalil Mack doesn't make up all the Bears. It's that simple. It's not one player. It's the whole unit. And the unit of the Cowboys is entirely lethal. They're hard to beat. And with that being said, I think they're going to win the NFCs this year. Moving on to the NFC North. In this division, we have the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Detroit Lions. In order, from back to front, the Detroit Lions are going to be in last place. It's a shame. Years ago, I would have been so happy about the Lions. I would have had really high odds back when Calvin Johnson was still playing, when Reggie Bush was the running back, when I didn't hate the defense, when Tulloch was still playing. Oh, those were good days. Too bad they're over now. The Lions are just simply overpowered in the North. Every team above them, the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings, they're all just too dangerous to beat. There's no way. They're so they have such strong they have such strong forces on offense and now defense that I don't think the Lions are gonna catch up to them. I'm being so serious right now. The, the Lions are so far behind them, there's no way for them to make it to the playoffs. Unless they literally have an epiphany and they become a Cinderella story. With Stafford leading the way. And I just don't see that happening either. The Lions are going to finish in last. I hate to say it. Unless Kirk Cousins really chokes this season. They're finishing in last. Which now brings me to third place, which is going to go to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I see a lot of people hyping up the Vikings and thinking that they're going to be a phenomenal team this season. That they're going to make it to the playoffs again. And that they're going to be the team to beat. One of the teams to beat this year. One of the serious competitors coming out of the North. I completely disagree. I completely disagree. See, the Vikings have all the pieces necessary to be Super Bowl com- contenders. I mean, think about it. Thielen, Diggs, Dalvin Cook, a strong offensive line, a strong defensive secondary, a strong linebacker core. One gap in the defensive line with Shamar Steven. But otherwise, a very strong defensive line. They have everything they need to succeed. So the question is, what's holding them back? I've only got two words to answer that. And I think we all know the answer deep inside. It's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is holding back the Vikings. The Vikings took a quarterback that was starting in Washington that they believe was struggling because of the situation he was in. Well, now that we're seeing the situation he's in with the better team, we now see it wasn't the team that was the problem. It was the quarterback. Kirk Cousins is so inconsistent. He needs to get everything under control and truly earn that super contract he got. That contract that made him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. See, I believe there's a curse. I believe there's a curse that when you sign a record-breaking deal in the NFL, you are destined to have a bad season. And one of the biggest examples is watching... Matthew Stafford after he got his contract. He got his contract. They never went back to the playoffs afterwards. They never went back. 
Another one can say, OBJ signed that massive contract last season in New York. Now where is he? He's in Cleveland, for God's sake. No hard feelings against New York or Cleveland, but honestly, OBJ left the bright lights in New York to go to a rising star team in Cleveland. Which, by the way, the city ain't all that attractive. But on a, on a higher note here, I cannot tell you how these super contracts, these max contracts, go ahead and bite people back. I don't think it'll happen with Zeke. I think Zeke will break the curse. There's a difference here. I think he'll break the trend, possibly. Depends on what happens to him this season. Otherwise, if the curse is real, Cowboys will fall off too. But right now, I don't think Cousins is going to find that groove. I want him to so bad. I love this Vikings team. For the last few years, I've loved what they've done ever since Keith Keenum was filling in as a starter. It has been so much fun to watch them play, especially with how popular feeling got and how great Diggs got and how just how beautiful everything is being orchestrated and set up in Minnesota. I think Mike Zimmer is a phenomenal coach. It's just this decision to have Cousins is bad. It was a bad one. So now Cousins has to be consistent this year and earn that contract, basically live up to that hype of that team, or they're going to pay the price and they will not win the division, nor will they even get the wildcard spot. Second place in the division, I believe, goes to the Packers. It's between the Packers and the Bears here for that top spot, but in my opinion, I think the Packers are definitely going to get that second seed. I mean, not second seed, the second place spot in the NFC North. When we talk about the Packers here, it's just a different level of understanding. They have a new coach and a new attitude, and I like it. I like this new attitude this coach is bringing. But the question comes down to if Rodgers is going to be able to carry this offense into the playoffs. I think he could. He could do it. And you think about it. Even though you lost Equinemius St. Brown, you still have Devontae Adams, you still have Geronimo Allison, and you got Valdis Scantling. Valdis Scantling, as much as I hate to follow the hype, I think they're right about that kid. I think he's going to be good with the Packers. I think they got a steal there with him. He's going to be something. Possibly. It all depends on how the season plays out. Rodgers is set, obviously, as the quarterback, the franchise guy, the leader. The running game, complicated with Aaron Jones, but it works. And the offensive line is strong enough to protect Rodgers. Defensive, the defense, though, that's a different story. Defense still feels a little off to me. So I can't really get fully behind them, but I can see the Packers winning some games. Not because of the team itself. And I know I'm, I'm going back off that comment of one player cannot define a team. But let me tell you, Rodgers, with the receivers you give him, he's like Brady. When it comes down to crunch time, he makes plays happen. And with that kind of clutch attitude, I think that's how Packers win a couple games here. And that's why I have them in second. If it wasn't for that clutch factor, they'd probably be in third and the Vikings would probably be ahead. But that's not the case. Which means my number one's... My number one team in the NFC North is the Chicago Bears. 
And for good reason. I think this might be the Bears' year. The Bears own the scariest defense in the last decade. Now, I know that is an extremely bold statement to make here. It is very bold. But I'm telling you, this is the best defense I've seen in the last decade. I think it's better than the Seattle's Legion of Boom. It is. The amount of pressure they're going to get on the quarterbacks is insane. The amount of lockdown corners you have on that team is beyond my comprehension. It's it's great. I love it. Now, it just comes down to one thing, is if the offense can complete that team and bring home a championship this year, which is, in my opinion, very possible. I think they can do it. I think they would do it. Mitchell Trubisky's looking to make a step up this season. And I think he's going to take that step up. And the scouts are going to finally be like, oh, oh, we were right. Wow. We were right about this kid. And they, for all the good reasons. See, he doesn't have the best receiving core, but having Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller was all they needed. And they still have, again, a top five line in the league. That's why I really believe that, and now you got Tariq Cohen with the rookie David Montgomery, that's just nasty, man. I can't, I can't say anything else about it. That's it. The Bears got this division down pat. This is it. If they don't win it, that, that's a problem. They got, they're going to win. They better win this division this year. I believe they will. Which now brings me to the NFC South. In the NFC South, you have the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is also one of those divisions, I'll tell you, is probably the most difficult in the league. Because when I break it down, the Buccaneers are under a new system now headed by two-time coach of the year, Bruce Arians. They're looking to fix the team. And make it better. Improve that defense. That's why I brought in Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator after he was fired from the Jets. Because he was very successful and considered one of the best defensive coordinators in the league before he signed with the Jets as a coach. As the head coach. So they're looking to fix things. They want to fix Winston. They want to fix the offense. They want to fix defense. They want to fix everything. And they could do it. Because Arians has done it before when he did it with the Cardinals. Turned a 5-11 and team into an 11-5 and playoff team. With Carson Palmer at the helm. Come on, man. You look at the Saints. The Saints have the best quarterback in the NFC. They got all the weapons they need to make a run for the Super Bowl. The Falcons have the best receiving unit in the NFL and have a franchise quarterback leading the team again. That that's perfect. And the Panthers made a lot of moves this offseason, and now that Cam is officially healthy at the time being, I mean this team is bound for success. So, without further ado, let me try to break this down. This is hard, guys. This is really hard to organize, especially the NFC South. As much as I hate doing this to Arians, I gotta put the Bucks at the bottom. Compared to every other team in the NFC South, they just don't have that talent yet. So, they've had problems with Winston and the defense for the last few seasons. Defense has not been locked down, down pat, shutting down teams defensively in the air and on the ground. They've struggled to do it. On the ground, they've been better, but on the off, but on, through the air, no. They've sucked. So, and Winston is inconsistent. He makes a lot of 
ill-advised decisions that cause turnovers and end games like that and change games. And Arians is trying to limit that, which I think is possible. He could do it. This, any one of these teams in the NFC South can win the division. But it all comes down to who is it going to be? Who's going to live up to that hype? Who's going to defy the odds? Who's going to do what they got to do to make it? I think the Bucks are going to fall short. I don't think he's going to be able to right that ship that sailed so far off course. The Panthers are the third place in the NFC South. But they're going to have a winning record, I think. They made waves, and I mean, when you look it over, they landed Gerald McCoy. They have one of the best defensive lines in football. With Kawan Short, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy. Um, you got Brian Burns off the end. It's it's great. It's nice to see. They got still got Luke Keekley. They got a secondary that I haven't seen really show themselves truly outside of Bradbury. But the Panthers could live up to those expectations. I think they could and that they will. I just don't think they're going to get above the Falcons and the Saints. I don't think they'll reach it. They're going to be very close. This is a very close division. So I don't know, guys. This this was like this was one of the hardest things to do was to handle this situation with these teams. After looking over the schedules, this is what I was able to pull out. The Saints are going to finish in second. Now that surprises some people because people didn't really think the Falcons were going to be finishing in first. I have them finishing in first. The Saints are going to second. I mean, they own the best quarterback in the NFC. They got the second best running back in the NFL with Kamara. They've got the third best wide receiver in the NFL with Michael Thomas. But could they finish that puzzle and bring a chip back to the Big Easy? Absolutely they could. But I don't think it'll happen as a division winner. I think they'll try to do it as a wild card. They're going to try. It's a tough year. This is a tough year for New Orleans. Every team got better in the NFC South. So there's no way that you can say that the Saints have got this down pat. And I think it's going to cost them. They're going to get a little too confident. But this leads to my number one team, which is the Falcons, which I've already said. They have the best receiving in the NFL, and their former MVP quarterback, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, is leading the charge. The only issue was the defense. Can they send the franchise back into the Super Bowl for redemption? They could. They really can. I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll have to find out when I get to the playoff predictions. Now, talking about the Falcons here, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu. Unstoppable. Devontae Free in the backfield. Unstoppable. Offensive line led by Alex Mack and the new rookie, Chris Lindstrom. Unheard of. That defense is getting better by the year. Keanu Neal, Deion Jones lead the charge here. Doing everything they got to do to make sure they don't lose. And that they lock down the NFC South. And they will do it this year. They will do it. Again, anybody's division here But I believe the Falcons got it. The Falcons got it. Which now brings me to the final division and the final four teams I'll be going over before we touch the playoffs. The NFC West, with the final four teams remaining being the Arizona Cardinals, the LA Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Seattle Seahawks. Now Now this division wasn't too hard. To evaluate. The only difficulty was going between the Seahawks and Rams. 
So I'll break it down and I'll explain to you what I think is going to happen. The Cardinals are going to finish in last place. I mean, they're, they're, they're still a mess. They're a mess after what happened last year when, when Wilkes was the head coach. Wasn't, wasn't good. Wasn't a good look at all. It was disgusting and disgraceful. But they got Kyler Murray. So hopefully he can clean up the remnants of the disaster. And now with the new receiving core on hand and a defense slowly developing, I mean, could we see the Cardinals back sooner than we expected? Maybe. Depends on if Cliff Kingsbury's system works in the NFL. Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, even though Hakeem Butler's missing the season, I want to include him too, Hakeem Butler. Running game with David Johnson, as long as he stays healthy. And a decent offensive line. Decent. Makes a nice offense. Makes an underrated offense. Makes it something teams should still look out for. Go to the defensive side. Eh, not that good. But, it's mainly because Patrick Peterson ain't there anymore. Because he got his suspension. So you have to wait for him to get back. But until then, Byron Murphy's going to try to keep everything under control. The corner from Washington. And by Washington, I mean the Washington Huskies. The University. So, you know, it's all up in the air for the Cardinals here. But I think they're just too much of a mess right now. It's going to take this year to be like um, a reorganization period for them. Get everything settled. And then consider a run in the years coming. Third place is going to the Niners then. I mean, they got their franchise quarterback back. And a new receiving court led by Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel. And now with an improved defense and better receivers, could the Niners make the playoffs this year? No. No. I mean, they could. I mean, really, if you think about it, any team could. But no. I don't think the Niners are going to do it this year. Okay, in, in theory, anyone could make the playoffs. But I don't think the Niners are going to do it. I mean, with Jimmy Garoppolo back, that's great. Stays healthy. They're in, they're good for the long road. Matt Breda working in the backfield with Tevin Coleman. Nice. Offensive the offensive side is fine. That defense is strong. God, it's a strong defense. With Arik Armstead, Nick Bosa getting ready to come off IR soon. I mean, coming off the injured list. And you got Quan Alexander now in the linebacker core. And Richard Sherman still in the secondary. I mean, this is something you could see. And Jaquiski Tart, too, at uh, safety. People don't talk about him enough. He's a really good safety. He's underrated. He's very good. He's quick, too. He's a little undersized, but he's good. The Niners have the pieces, and they could do it. They have things there that could give them a little push. But it's all about putting it all together. I don't know if they're going to put it together right. Because ever since Kyle Shanahan took over, it's been a little bit of a problem. So I couldn't tell you. Now, moving on to second place. Before I get into who's in second place, I do want to mention something. In the past few years, we've seen that most NFC champions experience a Super Bowl hangover the year after. Could this be the year that the Rams break that curse? I mean, ever since Seattle lost in the Super Bowl 49... We have not seen the same NFC team make it to the Super Bowl back-to-back years. The last time it happened was the Seahawks in 48 and 49. We're going to the 54 now. It's going to be five years since then. So the question is, 
can the Rams do it again and win the NFC and win the NFC again? Maybe this time even win a Super Bowl. Here's what I'll tell you. I think the Rams are going to not only not become NFC champions again, they are not going to win the NFC West. Yes, you heard that here first. You heard that here first. The LA Rams are not winning the NFC West this year. That must stun all of you. The Rams are not winning. Now, here is why. I've looked at every single situation possible. They have lost too much to say, we're going back. Todd Gurley got his diagnosis with arthritis. People don't think that's a major concern, but that means he's going to be out of the league sooner than expected. He's not going to have that same durability he had in his legs when he runs. He's not going to have that same bounce. You don't. That's something you need. That's bad. Why do you, there's a reason why they took Daryl Henderson to become the second back behind him. There is a reason. Now, cool, they got Cooper Cup back. You got Robert Woods. You got Brandon Cooks. You got everything. You got Jared Goff. You just signed to extension. Remember what I said about the extension curse. Remember it. The contract extension curse. You get a record-breaking deal, because he had a record-breaking deal, just happened among quarterbacks for Goff. So when that happens... Your team suffers. Does this mean the Rams suffer? I think the curse lives on through him. Among quarterbacks, that thing has stung, stayed true. I am so serious right now. The Rams are not going to win the division. They're not. And the defense is who to thank for it. It's the defense. Sure, it doesn't seem like a big deal you lost Dumakong Sue. But it is. Brockers and Donald. Okay, those two are strong. Who's on the outside? Oh no. I, if I can't name who's on the outside on the other side, there is a problem. If you ask me to name players on teams, I could probably tell you for the Rams defense, Clay Matthews. And they just signed him. I can go on and on about other teams. I could literally go on and on about how the Eagles have Malcolm Jenkins, Avante Maddox at the corner with uh, Ronald Darby. I can name three players secondary. I can not name one on the Rams. That's a problem. The Rams need to figure their things out. They gotta reorganize that defense and make it more and tighten it up to make it better. That's what the Rams need. I think the hangover is gonna hit them this year. Which means my first place team is gonna be the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, there's no denying that once they landed Clowney and they signed and they drafted that monster wide receiver from Ole Miss, DK Metcalf, which I've been hearing about the injury thing, but it doesn't matter in this certain situation. Once I saw that, I knew Seattle was going to make waves this season. They were going to do some serious damage to other teams. Now, people are still reminiscing on the Legion of Boom. People need to understand the Legion of Boom is over. There's no more Legion of Boom. All the guys are gone pretty much. The only people you got left there are KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner in the linebacker positions. It's not there. It's gone. It's a new 
system. It's a new day. Jadavion Clowney is going to be on the defensive line with Puna Ford and... I can't explain to you how great the Seahawks team is. This defensive line is great. It's better than the Rams defensive line. Their linebacker core, having Shaquille, Shaquem Griffin, huh, it's questionable because, you know, even though, even though it's great that we have someone who has only one hand in the NFL and he's so successful, at the same time, it can be limiting. And I think it happens in his coverage issues. But it doesn't matter. Their secondary, Bradley McDougald, underrated safety. Shaquille Griffin, underrated corner. It's all of these different things that make Seattle so dangerous. Now I understand he lost Doug Baldwin too. But Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, they're all going to be serious contributors. And with Chris Carson coming out of the backfield. I mean, come on. You can't tell me the Seahawks aren't going to win this division this year, that they don't have a shot to win the NFC West. I, I see it happening. I see it. It's clear as day to me. On that note, that's going to conclude the NFC. Now, I'm going to give you the playoff seedings as a result off the records. So you'll know now. The number one seed in the NFC is the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears defense and offense are going to work together this year and it's going to click and everything's going to go right in their way. I think it's going to happen and people are not going to forget this Bears team. They're going to go down as one of the greatest teams of all time. Now, people are saying the receivers and all that. It doesn't matter. If the offense works and the defense works, that's all that matters. The second seed is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Too strong on offense, too strong on defense. It's it's a recipe for success for them. The third seed is the Atlanta Falcons out of the NFC South. I mean, there's no doubting how strong that receiving core is and how great that defense is going to be down there in uh, Falcons. There's balance. The balance is what matters. In the NFC West, obviously the fourth seed is going to be the Seahawks. The Seahawks got it. Are going to make it. It's going to be really close between them and the Rams, but I think they're going to win the division. I have one game separating the Seahawks and the Rams. It's going to be incredibly close. I think the Seahawks get it. Now, as for wild cards, I want you to hold on to your seeds. This is going to be a wild ride. The fifth seed in the NFC, the wild card one, is the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have something there I've not seen in a while. I think they have a really good chance at making the playoffs, and they're going to get in as a wild card over the Vikings. So, unless something goes wrong with the Packers, they're getting it. They're getting that wild card spot. And as for the sixth and final seed, everyone knows, keep your tails here, this was very close because this is pretty much down between three teams we all know. So I'm going to tell you those teams. It's between the Eagles, the Rams, and the Saints to make the playoffs. Who's going to make it? Who is going to make it? 
it's the Saints. The Saints make it in over the Eagles and over the Rams into the playoffs as the sixth seed. It's unbelievable to some of you because of the fact that I'm saying that the Saints and Packers are making it in over the Rams and the Eagles who are so good. Don't get me wrong. They're so good teams. They're still great teams. But just what the Saints have and, and what the Packers are working with there and how everything is going to click this year for the Packers, my confidence in that and everything. Let me tell you, my model does not lie. I am pretty sure that these Packers are making the playoffs. So now, on top of that, let's get into the playoff scenarios. You want to talk about how this is going to run out, I'll break it down by conference. So with that seeding, let's start with the AFC. Houston is the four seed, so they'll be playing Baltimore, who is the five seed. And then Tennessee, the six seed, will be playing Kansas City, the third seed. So that means New England and Cleveland get bye weeks. So correction on what I said earlier, Kansas City did not get a first round bye. The Patriots continue their streak of first round buys. I I pull back my statement. I am so sorry that I went off on that tangent there. So, without further ado, here it is. In a Baltimore-Houston game, it's very competitive. It's going to be very... It's going to be a defensive bout for Baltimore. And it's going to be an offensive bout for Houston. Houston's going to try to do everything they can to get their offense to work against that Baltimore defense. And it's going to be very, very close. It's going to be a close game on that end. If you were to reverse it, Baltimore could have could take advantage of that Houston defense. And that's the difference maker. So in this case, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Houston Texans in Houston to move on to the next round. Going to the Titans-Kansas City game, we don't really got to evaluate it. We know what's going to happen. Kansas City beats the Titans. It's not a repeat of what happened last time they faced off. Tight- Kansas City moves on. So with Kansas City being the third seed and Baltimore being the fifth, Baltimore moves on to go play Cleveland. And Kansas City moves on to go play New England. Now this is the AFC Divisional Round. Kansas City plays New England. It's a hard-fought game as it always is. But just like what happens in the regular season, New England pulls it out. And they beat Kansas City to move on to the AFC Championship game. Houston's taking on Cleveland. Cleveland's giving it all they got. They're they're knocking on the door to the AFC Championship game. Houston, with a last-ditch effort to try to make it, fail. And the Cleveland Browns move on to the AFC Championship game to go face New England. The good news is it's not New England. It's in Cleveland. So that's an advantage. Unfortunately, Cleveland is met with some shocking information. New England's gotten better since they last faced them. You're dealing with the playoff Patriots now. You're dealing with OP Tom Brady. Overpowered Tom Brady. New England beats Cleveland. To make it to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, it only seems fitting. Now, we enter the NFC. Who is the who are the Patriots going to face? Here is your setup. The fifth seed Green Bay Packers play the fourth seed Seattle Seahawks. And the New Orleans Saints at the sixth seed play the Atlanta Falcons at the three seed. Meaning, Dallas is the number two seed getting the bye week, with Chicago being the number one seed getting the bye week. <clears throat> so with Green Bay playing Seattle, 
it's going to be a repetition of what had happened the year before or years ago when Green Bay was playing Seattle and it came down to the last kick. Only this time, Seattle wins it. Seattle makes the kick and they win and they beat Green Bay. New Orleans plays Atlanta. It is one of the hardest fought games we will remember in playoff history. And Atlanta will win it. They will top them in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. To go on, which means Atlanta will be playing Dallas in the divisional round in Dallas. And Seattle will move on to play Chicago in Chicago in the divisional round. Chicago beats Seattle. The offense takes advantage of the, of the Seattle defense. As great as that defensive front is, the protection of the Bears was better. And because of that, Mr. Trubisky completed throws to important receivers, including Allen Robinson and tight end Trey Burton, who was utilized more this time, sending Chicago to the NFC Championship game. Atlanta plays Dallas in Dallas, AT&T Stadium. Hard-fought game there. The Atlanta Falcons, given all they got, utilizing that pass game as much as possible, but the Dallas Cowboys are getting too much pressure on them, and they're, they're trying to keep as close as possible. They're in the 20s now in score. All of a sudden... Ezekiel Elliott breaks loose. He's going down the sideline. There he goes. Touchdown, Dallas. That, is, that puts the game away. Stick a knife in him. The Dallas Cowboys are moving on to the NFC Championship game. Dallas is now playing Chicago for the Super Bowl. To make it to the Super Bowl. To hit the glory land. To hit the promised land. It's a hard-fought game. Chicago's defense is holding, trying everything they can to stop Zeke. Zeke breaks through a couple times, even gets a touchdown. But that does not mean the Chicago offense is going to go down just like that. Chicago fights on. They beat down Dak Prescott with the defense, take advantage of it all, force a crucial turnover that gives Mitch Trubisky and the Bears the chance to score and take the lead. They take the lead, and they hold on to that lead. As the Dallas Cowboys end up falling to the Chicago Bears in the NFC Championship game. Which now means your Super Bowl is the New England Patriots versus the Chicago Bears. It's a hard-fought Super Bowl. It's one of the great, one of the best Super Bowls you will watch. The Monsters of the Midway are going up against Tom Brady and that electric offense that always seems to pick up when things get serious. Here we go. Brady's facing off. They're having problems against Khalil Mack, already having some issues. Khalil Mack's got one sack on Brady already. He gets a touchdown pass out to Julian Edelman to give them the lead. New England's defense starts stepping up their game a little bit. They start shutting down Tariq Cohen in the passing game in the screens. New England takes advantage of this. New England's offense goes back and scores another touchdown. It's now 14-0 lead here. Here goes the Bears. All of a sudden... They're slowly working their way down the field. Mitch Trubisky getting some nice passes down the over the middle. Getting first downs. Getting two, three yards per, per attempt. They get all the way down. It's about goal line stand area. Mitch Trubisky takes it in himself and gets a touchdown. It's now 14-7. to Here we go. They get the ball. Tom Brady throws a pick. Tom Brady throws a pick. The Bears go down there in New England territory. Here we go. Trubisky, taking advantage of the situation, gets another touchdown, tie game, we're going to halftime. Here we are, the game's getting close now, the Bears are taking advantage, they're trying their best, trying to get ahead of the Patriots' defense, and they are struggling, they're really fighting, they're doing everything they can, 
But unfortunately, Tom Brady takes advantage of the tireless efforts of the Bears offense, exploits it, and wins his seventh Super Bowl for the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots will be your Super Bowl champions this year, whether you like it or not. It's only who they're going to face that matters. Patriots over the Bears is my prediction for the Super Bowl. So, that gives you the playoff portion. And you may have got a little bit of commentating there. Hope you enjoyed it. So, that now leads me to the awards. The awards are what matter most. Everyone cares about the NFL honors. And people ask me, so, who are your candidates? So, I'll read you my candidates based off what I saw. So, based off my season projections and everything, here are my nominees for MVP. Or should I say, I'll work my way backwards. I'll go from Comeback Player of the Year working forward. Comeback Player of the Year. The nominees are going to be Le'Veon Bell running back for the New York Jets. Earl Thomas, safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Carson Wentz, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Devontae Freeman, running back for the Atlanta Falcons. And Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. It's a tough competition here for the Comeback Player of the Year. But, overall... Carson Wentz is going to be going up pretty much against Earl Thomas. It'll be between those two. And I'm going to give it to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is going to come back. He's going to do everything. He's going to prove his worth with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be something they'll never forget. And he's going to finally prove he is their franchise quarterback. He's going to win comeback player of the year. For coach of the year. Freddie Kitchens for the Cleveland Browns. Bill Belichick, coach for the Patriots. Matt Nagy, coach for the Bears. Matt LaFleur, coach for the Titans. And Jason Garrett, coach for the Cowboys. It's getting interesting here. But, unfortunately, it ain't any of the people you think. It's going to be Freddie Kitchens, head coach of the Cleveland Browns. With the way that they finish, there's no denying it. Number one seed in the AFC, it's deserving. Moving on now to Defensive Rookie of the Year. Between Devin Bush, linebacker of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brian Burns, defensive end of the Carolina Panthers, Josh Allen, rush or defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Quinn Williams, defensive tackle for the New York Jets, or Devin White, the linebacker from Tampa Bay. It's going to be very close. This one's going to be a lot harder than people think. Because everyone's going to have a strong performance during the season. But it's going to, I think it's going to go to Brian Bush. I mean, Brian Burns. Brian Burns, correction. Brian Burns is going to do something that makes Carolina very hard to beat. He's going to, prove, he's going to add something they haven't seen. His handwork when he's trying to disengage, when he's trying to, um, disengage defend, um, offensive linemen is insane. It's very good. And his, he's, got very, he's got a high pursuit speed. And that's something that matters. Now, jumping into Offensive Rookie of the Year here. David Montgomery, running back for the Chicago Bears. Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Daniel Jones, quarterback of the New York Giants. Debo Samuel, wide receiver of the San Francisco 49ers. And Josh Jacobs, running back of the Oakland Raiders. This is probably the closest battle we have. But I'm going to give it to David Montgomery. I think what he's going to do with the Bears is add another dimension to the run game that they hadn't seen yet. And it's going to make him and Tariq Cohen the most feared duo in the NFL. Defensive Player of the Year. Khalil Mack from the Bears. J.J. Watt from the Texans. 
Aaron Donald from the Rams, Bobby Wagner from the Seahawks, and Kevin Byard is my dark horse candidate, my only dark horse candidate, from the Tennessee Titans. Now, it seems obvious almost because of who made the Super Bowl, but I'm going to go with Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is going to win it this year. He's going to break Aaron Donald's streak. He's going to set records. He's going to get all these sacks. And it's going to be something unrivaled. He is going to be the defensive player of the year. Going on to the offensive player of the year. Your nominees are Derek, DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans. Saquon Barkley from the Giants. Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs. Ezekiel Elliott from the Cowboys. And Alvin Kamara from the Saints. Ezekiel Elliott is my winner. Ezekiel Elliott's going to come back. He's going to go on a tear and break that curse to the point where he wins Offensive Player of the Year. It's going to be something unprecedented. He'll be one of the first running backs to win in a long time. And he's going to prove all the haters wrong. Which now leads to the final award. The MVP. The most valuable player. The hardest part was picking these nominees. They are. Baker Mayfield from the Browns. Tom Brady of the New England Patriots. Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitchell Trubisky of the Chicago Bears. And Ezekiel Elliott, running back of the Dallas Cowboys. You can knock out Ezekiel Elliott and you can knock out Patrick Mahomes. You can knock out Tom Brady. I know. It's a surprise. It is between Baker Mayfield and Mitchell Trubisky. A dark horse candidate who's going to win the MVP this year based off his performance. The MVP for the 2019-2020 NFL season is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is going to win the award this year for MVP. It seems unlike it seems shocking to most of you. But the reason why it's Baker Mayfield is just of how well the Browns are going to do. It's going to be incredible everything they put around him, what he, his situation. It's unrivaled. They, I don't think there's a team that's put him in a better in a quarterback in a better situation than the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have done incredible with Baker Mayfield and what they gave him. I, I can't tell you anything else. I'm very happy about it. And I think it's going to be enough that Baker Mayfield goes on a tear, becomes one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and as a result, wins the MVP this year. There is no repeat candidate. Trubisky's going to be a close one, though. But Baker Mayfield wins. Now, with all that, that will conclude this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the predictions. I hope I made your eyebrows tense up a little bit maybe got you a little angry. That's what I was aiming for. These predictions were not meant to satisfy you. These predictions were not meant to anger you. These predictions were made to tell you what I believe is going to happen based off my system of processing, my scientific method. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.